You awake? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was testing the mic. <laughs> I decided to be a whale. I don't know. All right. Speaking of whale, I can find a female. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> I don't remember that movie. <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my buddy, Max Lyon. What's up? Who <laughs> watch Rovkovs, and then immediately share our thoughts into microphones and record it. For your listening pleasure. Max Lyon, how are you feeling, sir? I'm very, very much awake. <laughs> as we mentioned in the last it's episode past my goddamn bedtime as we mentioned last episode uh we watched this movie friends with benefits immediately after recording the last podcast which was after watching no strings attached so the timeline we watched no strings attached recorded that podcast then we watched Friends with Benefits, and now we're recording our podcast for that. It is after midnight. I might die during this podcast. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> we'll be fine. We uh, didn't drink during the movie because we realized we have to be somewhat sober in order to do this. I also had to be awake in order to drink. And you know? <laughs> <laughs> you to be oh, that's what I'm missing. I need a straw. <laughs> <laughs> so you could just be like... I feel so naughty. <laughs> I feel so naughty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new girl reference for those of you who don't it get is. it. Oh, man. So, yeah, we watched right. Friends with Benefits. As we, we mentioned, this is the second part of our unofficial two-parter. Oh, damn it. And I sat down without the Tasty Tidbits <laughs> paper. <laughs> it's okay, I'll get it in a bit. We'll get it in a bit, so... Yeah, the reason I chose this movie after we talked about it via text, and I told Max via text I'd come up with an idea to make this a two-parter, is because I remember No Strings Attached came out. I didn't watch it, but I remember when it came out. Then I remember Friends of Benefits coming out, and everyone was just like, isn't that the same movie? Yeah, apparently they came out the same year. Yeah. They did. <laughs> and No Strings Attached was originally called Friends with Benefits. And No Strings Attached was originally called Friends with Benefits. So. And also, Mila Kunis, who ended up becoming Ashton Kutcher's wife, was yeah. in Friends with Benefits it, it, while he just, was in No Strings Attached. It's way too intertwined. It gets even better. Does it? Yes. So, I'm going to go into the, uh, the, whatchamacallit, the facts here. Wait, do we have any first memories? Well... We'll get into that here in a second. Oh, okay. Um, let's go into the facts of the movie a little bit more before we do that. So, because I just like kind of comparing and contrasting here. Friends with Benefits is a 2011 American romantic comedy, <laughs> much like No Strings Attached. That was directed by Will Gluck and starring Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. It also has Patricia Clarkson, Jenna Elfman, Brian Greenberg, Nolan Gold. Richard Jenkins, and Woody Harrelson. The plot revolves around Dylan Harper and Jamie Rellis, who meet in New York City and naively believe adding sex to their friendship will not lead to complications. Over time, they begin to develop a deep mutual feelings for each other, only to deny it each time they are together. So, uh, the listed actors are Justin Timberlake, Mila Kunis, Patricia Clarkson, Jenna Elfman, Ryan Greenberg, Richard Jenkins, and that. Woody Harrelson, all in that order. I was just mentioning oh it's, a, it's still in that order i was like there's no way you're as tired as i am <laughs> the movie was released july 22nd of 2011 which is ex wait exact and it's four days oh no oh, oh july 22nd july okay. 22nd now no strings attached was released january 21st 
Wow. Okay. So they both are months apart with Jay. Wow. Only a day apart in the same year. So literally six months apart. Okay. What is the running time? Now remember, the running time of No Strings Attached is 108 minutes. What is the running time of Friends of Benefits? This one felt longer. So I'm going to go with... Um... Mm, 115 minutes? You're right that it's longer, because it's 109 minutes. It's one minute longer. One minute longer. Wow. (laughs) Now... That's how tired I am. The budget for No Strings Attached is $25 million. The budget for Friends of Benefits, $35 million. Really? New York City is a little bit more expensive to film, buddy. Fuck New York. <laughs> Plus, they filmed in L.A. too, so it's a mix, a mix of both. And there's a lot of green screen they paid for in this damn film, uh, which we'll get into. Now, the box office for No Strings Attached was $149.2 million. How much did Friends with Benefits make in the box office? 110. $150.4 million. What? Dollars. They made they were there's only a difference of one point two million dollars. Wow, in, so they really are the same fucking movie. They are the same fucking movie. When I thought of this idea and I looked it up and I saw all those oh stats, I'm like God. holy fucking shit, we have to do this. So that's why I wanted to do this for sure. So that goes into kind of my like first memory. I just remember these films coming out the same year. Everyone kind of making fun of the fact that it was the same movie. And the fact that a bunch of people went and saw both of them. That was my first memory of this. But I hadn't actually seen this movie. Much like I hadn't seen No Strings Attached. So I figure if they're going to be inextricably linked to each other. I might as well watch both in the same night. And talk about both of them in the same night. So here we are. After well, it's a, that it's a good good reason. What's your first memory of this movie? Uh, again, I don't know. That, I can't consciously think of one. I know that's like all I'm saying nowadays, but uh, um, I still think there's a more conscious memory to No Strings Attached that I can't think of. But this one, I really, I think I've seen once, maybe twice, but I don't really remember either time. So this was this was kind of a refresher where I I didn't really remember a lot about it. Yeah. The one thing I remember, I randomly stumbled upon like an Entertainment Tonight interview when this movie was coming out, and they talked about the importance of the song "Closing Time." So really, well, yeah, because I because like of yeah, so basically they just talked about the song "Closing Time" and the like. It was just a part of the interview that they had with like Justin Timberlake or something. Mm. So I wasn't surprised by the use of that song throughout the movie. Close. Time. Closing time. <laughs> time for you to go home. <laughs> Max yeah. needs to go to bed. <laughs> well, Max, I'm going to tell you to get up and go get your tasty tidbits because it's time for that. They're so far away. Well, too fucking bad, man. All right. Uh, give me a minute. <sighs> While Max gets up. Just want to thank all y'all so far for listening to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're the ones that should be thanking us for this beautiful entertainment. Hey, I don't want you to be scurrilous toward our listeners, okay? They know know I love them. Alright. I would not be staying up past midnight if I didn't. Better not be scurrilous up in here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm already almost done with my margarita. Mad <laughs> The lifeblood that's giving me awake yes, right now. Lifeblood. Okay. Hail Bloody Mary, Mother of God. <laughs> <laughs> Blessed are you among cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Archer quote. Anyway. Tasty uh, tidbits up in your mug. Let's do this. I miss Archer. Yeah. Alright, tasty tidbits. So, first things first, um, Marco Kunis. I, just, I forgot. What's Kunis' first name? Mila. Mila. Jesus. I'm too tired for this. 
What? I know. You literally called Mila Kunis Marco Kunis. No, 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 no. No, Marco Kunis. I think that's his name. I think. I don't know. I have to look it up again. Uh, I might, that might be a typo. Anyway, her dad makes a cameo. Oh, really? Yes, but not on screen. He makes a cameo as only a voice. Hmm. He's dubbed over the cab driver when they first, or when, um, when she's changing in the back seat of the cab, mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted an authentic New Yorker sound, and the cab driver apparently, when they were editing it, wasn't authentic enough, so they used her dad to get a more authentic sound, which basically means it's a nice way of saying. We're racist as fuck, and we want someone <laughs> that has a little bit more of an accent. My thought is, like, in that scene, like, the driver is, like, look, trying to catch a peek at her as she's, like, getting changed. So, even through, like, that weird degree of separation, her dad was in the car as she was... A little like, bit, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit weird. Yeah. This is my yuck face. Yeah. So these yeah. these tidbits aren't that tasty. I'd say that <laughs> this is more of like an expired stew tasty. Um, so in in the many scenes that we see some skin, we do see a scene where we see Kunis Kunis's butt. Yep. It is not her butt. It's a body double. It's a butt double. Of course it is. That's I all mean, I had on that. It would have on to that be. bullet point. It would have to be. It would? Yeah. Why? Because there has to be some semblance, some semblance of one. Of a butt? Yeah. <laughs> right. Mila Kunis is so attractive. She, we'll get into her performance in this she, movie. She but does have an underwhelming I, butt. I think it's mentioned at the very first time that they have sex, <laughs> she has a bit of a bony ass. Do they, they mention that in the movie? Yeah. He says that right before they go to the bedroom. For the first time. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they do. And she yeah. says, that's better. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Justin Timberlake's character has a lightning bolt tattoo, right? <laughs> yeah. Mila Kunis's character wears a lightning bolt necklace throughout the movie. Huh. Except for in the photo shoot scene when they are angry at each other. Uh-huh. So, it's just, that's not really a tasty tip. It's kind of like a nice a little, little Easter egg there. A little Easter egg yeah. to show that. Much like when you pointed out that it happened one night poster above her bed. Yeah, I, I, I totally didn't even think of that. Didn't and even we forgot to mention, yeah. And we forgot to mention something that I mentioned to you when uh, you put up the post of the No Strings Attached mm. meme when he brought carrots instead of flowers, mm-hmm. which was another allusion to It Happened One Night. Which I thought was a great little segue into that movie. Yeah. And so, this was also a segue. Once again, know your fucking roots. It happened one night, regardless of quality, is the foundation of rom-com. Also, if you ever fucking doubted that we know what the fuck we're doing... Boom. Like, these three episodes should have told you that we know... <laughs> we, there's we there's know, an order to this. We, we know, know what we're doing. We extri- know the extenuating factors behind things, so, you know... We're doing this in the right order. Yeah, we're we not know, just randomly yeah. choosing shit and stumbling into things. You know? Not at all. No, we're That's not. Totally it's, we're choosing things completely soberly, yeah. and we're totally going by the seat of our ass. So we appreciate you going with us. <laughs> Did you hear that? I don't, I don't, I don't no, know what you're talking about. Know. Anyway. anyway, next tip. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> the scene in which Jamie and Dylan. Mm-hmm. Decided to break it off. Mm-hmm. Was originally scripted with them naked. That doesn't surprise me because it seems like everything was scripted naked. I feel like that would just be the default scene, right? Like, they're always yeah. naked. Yeah, for real. It was scrapped because the co-writer and director, Will Gluck, said mm-hmm. it was just wrong. Alright. I mean, you know, if he had a vision... <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to say that with a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, Kunis fell asleep during the sex scene. Nice. She actually fell asleep. (laughs) So there's a story back there. Um, 
So there's a scene where she... I, I didn't even take note. I meant to take note of it while we were watching, but I didn't. But apparently there's a scene where she... She actually, like... It's close up, and it's... It's either on their faces, or on Justin Timberlake's face, or something. I really should have written this down. Um, but either way, she turns away from the camera. Mm-hmm. Which was in the which was in the script. You're not really. It's not about her and whatever scene it is. Um, she so she turns away. You can see her head turn away from the camera, and apparently, that was okay. And that was, a, like agreed upon ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And she had asked, "Is it okay if I close my eyes during the scene?" Because apparently they'd been doing as we discussed in the last movie that sex scenes take all day. They have to do take after take after take. So they'd been doing this all day. They were both exhausted. And Justin Timberlake actually went and took a nap during lunch. And she didn't. Mm. So she was falling asleep. And she asked the director if during the scene she could just close her eyes. Since the scene wasn't about her and it wasn't supposed to be on her face. Yeah. And they agreed that that was fine. Well, apparently, (laughs) apparently after they said cut... She was asleep (laughs) and she actually slept for 20 minutes. (laughs) Like they kept filming. Justin Timberlake kept like doing different, you know, different takes and everything. And they just kept rolling. Yeah. Um, And then finally the director like shouts at her cut and that wakes her up. (laughs) And she had been out for 20 minutes. Nice. (laughs) Hey, get your sleep when you can, especially if the sex ain't real. Like I, I feel that. Yes. Like, I get that. Yeah. Because right, right now, I would be killing for 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so, that's it. That's all I got for Tasty Tidbits. There weren't a whole lot. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, there's also the other little one where Patricia Clarkson was one of the mothers in uh, Mother Lover, which Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake sang for SNL. Oh, yeah. It was her and Susan Sarandon. Oh, yeah. So there's that little bit as well. Andy Samberg's little Andy cameo. Andy Samberg's got a little cameo. Mm-hmm. So does Emma Stone. Emma Stone. <laughs> John Mayer. <laughs> we miss we miss body is a wonderland. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's go ahead and get into the film. Let's get into it. What are your thoughts of the film? Um, well, for what little I remembered, I, I remember it being, uh, kind of unspectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why No Strings Attached left such a more mm-hmm. potent memory in my mind. I guess maybe because I made a more, a personal connection to it, but watching it now and consciously remembering it, I liked it. It, it was good. It was a nice light. Rom-com, and it, it, it's, it is actually pretty hilarious how many similarities there are. Yeah. But even with that said, there are fewer in the movie itself than I thought there would be. Yeah. It is kind of its own story still. Yeah. It has its own twists and its own take on things. Um, it's like the similar premise. I get that. But even that... Even that premise was different. Like the no strings attached premise was more about them sleeping together because because they both had issues and they were both kind of emotionally unavailable, I guess. Whereas this one, I felt like they were a little more, it was more of the circumstance where it was like, they're both professionals. They both don't really want anything serious. They're both going to try this. They also didn't have the history that the two characters had in No Strings Attached. Yeah. It was more of just like a, a little easier to convince me that it could be a a friends with benefit kind of situation. <coughs> <coughs> that margarita kicking in? No, I like some saliva went down the wrong pipe. Oh, okay. Because I've, ha- I've been having cough reflexes kick up all night from the lime. It's the salt. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is that what does it? For me, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I learned that when I went to Mexico. Uh, after sophomore year of college that summer, went to Mexico for a week. And 
I just drink a shit ton of margaritas. <laughs> like every way, every place we went, dinner, lunch, sat down, just margarita, 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 and salt. Put salt in the rim, and I would finish that damn salt because the salt like helped, like limit the burn of the tequila. Because at that time I was a bit of a wuss when it came to drinking <laughs> tequila. Well, by like the third day, how old Mexico, were you when you went? I was twenty. Okay. By the third day, I'm in Mexico. I start getting heartburn for the first time in my life. And I'm just like, why? What is this? Like, why does it burn in my chest? And then I realized, like, well, maybe I should get a margarita without the salt. And I just thought that might help. And it did. Hmm. We found out. The salt was causing, like, an acid reflux heartburn. <laughs> and so I had to stop getting margaritas with salt. I mean, I'm sure the alcohol and the lime... Citrus probably doesn't help either. No, but. that helps. That's good for your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally, totally the salt. The salt definitely causes the acid reflex. <laughs> um, back to the movie. Where the hell were we? Hey, we were just talking about like the similarities between this. And, oh yeah. Like, um, just your thoughts. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind it though. I I liked it. It was it was solid. What about you? There's some funny bits, mm-hmm. and Mila Kunis, much like in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, is just, you know, so, like, just pretty and such and a good actress. Yeah. And much like with No Strings Attached, the supporting players are more talented than they should be for the material, almost, mm-hmm. and they shine through. Like, Richard Jenkins gives, like, a legit, like, dramatic performance in this rom-com yeah. as the dad. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's so affecting. And it's just, like, this isn't the same movie. No. <laughs> like, this, this family drama is not supposed to be here. Right? <laughs> like, what is this doing here in my rom-com about two fuck buddies? Like, what's, right? what's this doing here? Uh, I mean, Jenna Elfman, as the big sister, is great like and then woody harrelson i love woody harrelson just he's such a good comedic actor the gay jokes are a bit much yeah like it's just how overt like it's, it's a little much yeah they're just trying to but trying to, you kind of accept play, it because it's woody harrelson they're so. trying to play against type as far as gay jokes but then they go too far the other way where it's just like yeah, we get it. Like, you're trying to play the whole, like, oh, he's gay, but he's not, he doesn't act like a gay guy. Isn't that funny? And it's just right. like, just because you're not feeding into a stereotype doesn't mean that it isn't a stereotypical. Right. But that you're not still being stereotypical. That's that's the case here. Um, but Woody Harrelson's still hilarious, though. Like, just straight up. So, he's he's still good in this movie. And, like... And then put uh, Patricia Clarkson as the mom, like, just plays the deadbeat mom. Oh, yeah. Really well. It just, honestly, all the performances in this movie are good. Except for Justin Timberlake's. His, you didn't like, think his was good? He made me laugh at times, but then, but when it comes to, like, the the dramatic parts are just, like, the parts where he's supposed to be in, like, the fight. Like, when he has that argument with Mila Kunis at the photo shoot, he's all like, and then I took her, dun-dun-dun, to L.A. Like, that. Or, like, when he has the fight with Emma Stone. Just, like, the little bits where it's just, like, this is the turning point where you, like, you need to turn on your acting muscles. It's just not there because he's not an actor. He's a musician Mm. first, actor second. He can be funny at times. He could be charming at times, but yeah, he has charisma. His, he just doesn't have the just, same. He's not acting an actor. Skill, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's just it's not there. Like that extra little bit, and that's tough when you're the main character of the fucking film. <laughs> so yeah, I could see that. And also, it's tough when the writing itself just isn't on par with like the writing of No Strings Attached, which, as I mentioned, my love and affinity for Liz Merriweather. It's not the same type of writing here. So, you know. Yeah. It's, at the same time, there's just, there are 
funny gags in this film. Like, there's some... There are. Like, I legit had some laughs in this film, like, watching it, and there were, there were some good parts. I love uh, Luke from Modern Family's little cameo as the <laughs> oh magician. Oh, my gosh, the, mu- the magician. Yes, I mean, just, like, when he has the coffee stain yeah. on his shirt... Or when his coat catches on fire, like that's all fun. See, I think little good. little things like that really help make a movie, especially at least the modern era of movies, mm-hmm. where it's like you can you can easily make a movie out of this one storyline, this one plot line, this one couple. Mm-hmm. But it definitely helps to have all these little intertwined elements. I think as a as just a normal observer, yeah, it kind of like. It distracts you just long enough that you appreciate the main storyline again. Where it's like, mm-hmm. if you were watching the main storyline for two hours straight with no distractions, you'd get tired of it. Yeah. But, you know, because this is a rom-com, we need a couple distractions here and there to lighten the mood or soften the blow or whatever is happening. You know, you kind of break things up a little bit. Yeah. And then bring it right back and then you're appreciating it again. So, I like I like seeing stuff like that. I love I loved that about No Strings Attached when there was a, like we already talked about that where yeah. all those little scenes that were different and completely unrelated and you could have easily done without but it makes it that much better. Yeah, and like with with this, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just finished my margarita, so I'm in a weird mental spot right should now. We, should we do another one? <laughs> yes! Should we close out with one one more? Yes, we should have another margarita. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead and make the margaritas. I'll continue talking. Oh, we're going to keep recording? I don't know. No, we should probably pause it. All right, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you very much for sticking with us. I have this magical elixir called a margarita in front of me, and it's mm. helped me regain my train of thought. So, uh, the train of thought that I was going on was the film itself had a weird pacing. Which, what do you like, mean? The very beginning part with the whole meeting the different dates and then getting broken up with and like, like oh, let's have Andy Samberg and Emma Stone you know, give these, like, lines and just have them, like, talking while the credits are playing in the background and this and that. All of that was just, like, so... I don't know. It just felt, like, forced and, like, oh, this is a cool idea. Let's, like, start the movie off with this, like, hip, fresh idea sort of feel to it as opposed to, like, something worthwhile. But then when it got to the part where... Then that goes immediately to he ends up in, in New York... And then they have this really elaborate meet cute, almost like first date type thing. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. I thought like the whole her selling him on New York and the job and everything else like that. It worked off. Going it worked up out to the as, rooftop. Like, this, this really cool like first impression that between the, these two is, is like a couple, even though they're not a couple. You know what I mean? It was just it worked out like as a first date. It was just really cool to watch those two just be like that with each other and like to learn each other's moves and, and everything else like that. And then leading into the friendship and like watching their friendship blossom from there, like you could see the chemistry really moving and going and everything like that. And then when it got to the sex part, that was kind of boring like it was like it was funny at times like it had some funny moments like the whole trying to pee with a heart on thing was funny and accurate and so accurate extremely oh accurate. my god like extremely accurate but at the same time the the whole sex part was just like that's supposed to be a big old punchline and i'm watching it just like i'm this isn't nearly as enthralling as when they were looking at the art piece at like and being friends at parties mm. and like and like drawing on each other like when they passed out drunk sort of thing like that was more and enth- like I liked watching that more than them like having 
sex and turning the whole idea of sex on its ear as far as like the way they would communicate through it and everything else like that. Right. Um, and then, and then that leads to the weird like breaking off of it, and then the whole doctor part, which just felt forced. The doctor part. Yeah, when she gets with the child doctor, and then they actually have sex after the fifth date, and then he just like, and then they oh, oh, break up yeah. immediately afterward, and it's like, what point does that make? Like, other than it's just a really long forced part that leads to her going to L.A. Like, if you just had the mom, oh, I see. Uh... If you just had the mom leave, you could immediately just get rid of the whole child doctor thing. Mm. Like, you don't need the child doctor if you just have the mom leave, because the mom leave is the real catalyst to her going to L.A. Well, I feel like the the child doctor, which is a weird thing to say. I know. But podiatrist? No. Oncologist. What's the difference? Uh, well, a pediatrician is what you're thinking of. What's a podiatrist? Foot doctor. Foot doctor. <laughs> <laughs> He's a child oncologist. I'm tired. I know. <laughs> and I've been drinking. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure a certain someone would slap me for that. <laughs> <laughs> for not knowing that. But, uh, um, I, okay, so a pediatrician and an oncologist. What's an oncologist then? Uh, someone who, I believe, deals with like cancer-ish stuff. Mmm. Mmm. Okay, and so... Uh, a pediatrician is just more of like a, a general doctor for yeah. for kids. Uh, oncology is the study and treatment of tumors. Oh. So, so there is a difference. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. A massive difference. Um, no, no, no pun intended. I just realized. Did you have a point? <laughs> anyway, I don't know. What was I driving at? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. So, I completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, so, like, the whole, like, she finds the this doctor and, like, they have their fight. Oh, no, I do remember. I do remember. Oh, hey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Congrats. I got there. All right. I got there. Hold on to that. Yes. Um, what I was going to say was I feel like I feel like the, the doctor part may have been, to uh, like, a catalyst to try to, like, throw her into his arms. Where it's like, yeah, the mother leaving could have allowed for the possibility for her to go but to just increase the jealousy exactly well not just increase the jealousy but also to kind of like demonstrate to us as an audience but also to to her as the character that you know trying for a a different relationship or a, a you know a relationship with someone other than someone she's already working with someone that she's already having that chemistry with Mm -hmm. isn't going to work. And in reality, she really wants to be with Justin Timberlake's character. I guess it's kind of like throwing her into his arms kind of. That makes sense as far as like the whole trying to incite jealousy idea. Like I get that with that whole plot aspect, but it also is like, it feels like 10 to 15 minutes of the film. It did feel pretty long. Yeah. Like it's a big chunk in the middle. And it's just like I agree that it could have been if you take that a out, more minor role. If you take that out, you have a ninety-minute movie, which I think is a lot more palatable <laughs> with this. The like, movie did feel a little long. It was it, especially when they got to the family part, because then it turns into this weird drama. Yeah, and it's just like it's an affecting drama. It's mm-hmm. well acted. Mm-hmm. And it's great, but it's a completely separate movie that you just happen to have Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake's relationship blossom within this, like, family drama. And it's just, like... And then then you also have two different fights between them in New York, on the rooftop and at the photo shoot. Why are there two fights? Like, it just... They really stretched out the, the, like... After the climax, like, the bad, like, fighting part, they really stretched it out between those two. And it's just, like, it didn't have to be that long. It didn't have to be that much. I will say I did... I completely agree that the the family thing, the family drama, was weird. Yeah. But I... There was something about it I liked. And I'm not really sure what. But... 
I, I'm not. That's not to say that it was necessarily necessary. Mm-hmm. But I did like it. I think because it made it a little more real worldly and like even in the best of rom coms, even in the best of relationship starts, you know, or the the most romantic of situations, there's going to be drama. There's going to be complications that you can't control mm-hmm. that are outside of just that relationship, just that snippet of life. So I liked that, I think. I also liked, yeah, I liked the realism of it, where it brought a little bit of a, a more realistic point of view to, to having, you know, com- like I said, complications that you can't control. Yeah. Outside of the relationship. And I, the one thing I will say that I, I liked that they showed on this film was kind of that these two characters were caretakers to their parents, almost, in a way. Oh, that's a good point. And that they were raised by single parents. Yeah. Like, for a majority of their... Well, for a big chunk. So, like, they're coming from, like, single-parent homes that where they're kind of, like, the they have to be the adult early on. And so that kind of feeds into the whole, like, emotionally damaged, emotionally broken aspect of it, which is a very common thing <laughs> well, right now. Well, actually, something... Yeah, absolutely. And something I was going to point out yeah. between the two movies, both this one and No Strings Attached, mm-hmm. is that the effects that parents have on all of the main characters, mm-hmm. on all four characters, mm-hmm. is extremely present through both movies. The only, pa- the only parental relationship that seemed to be, like, out of the four was... That like seemed to like I guess work out quote unquote would be Emma's parents and no strings attached and the dad dies. The dad dies. Yeah. So that that's the best case scenario out of the four relationships. Yeah. Parents. So the dad dies for for Natalie Portman's character, which yeah. furthers her closure from the world, her yeah. emotional uh, stuntedness. Yeah. I guess for lack of a better term. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher's character's parents get divorced, which. Yeah. Catalyzes his weird emotional, not issues, but complications. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he doesn't have a relationship with the mom, or at least it's not shown on screen. Right. So it's like, where is she? Um, and then in this one, like, the, the mom leaves. Yeah. And then the dad has Alzheimer's yeah. for Justin Timberlake's character. And then for Mila Kunis's character... We see a single mom who never even begins to admit who the father is to her own daughter. Yeah. So the daughter never, Mila Kunis' character never even knows her dad. Yeah. So, like, all of these characters not only have complicated versions of, or, or views of family to begin with. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's start with that. From, from, you and I have both grown up in, in situations where, we had divorced parents, divorced parents yeah. or complicated home lives or whatever. We know that when you grow up in a household like that, you kind of have to, no matter what kind of views you have on your with yourself already, mm-hmm. you grow up with a skewed point of view as to what family is, as to what a parental marriage is, as to what yeah. a home life is. Yeah. And you have an idea of what it should be. Yeah. But in reality, like, there's always going to be a part of it that's, like, a little skewed just from experience. There's just a lack of security. That, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then that uh, that goes further into what I was saying was that all four of these characters, on top of that, on top of already having a skewed point of view, a skewed idea of what family is, of mm-hmm. what a stable relationship is, mm-hmm. on top of that... There's all these other, like, deep-seated things that these characters are dealing with that never really get brought up. Yeah. And it's like, I get that these two films were being put out at a time where it's just like, we're trying to make rom-coms for this generation. And it's like, you hit it on the head a little too much. 
Or it's yeah. like it's still a rom com, so like you need to pull it back just a tiny bit, just the tiniest bit. It's like yes, we understand that there's parental issues, but also, but I guess they don't necessarily knock it over our heads. At least in No Strings Attached, they don't really knock it over our heads. Well, no, I mean the dad's in there. Like the yeah, dad's. I, I mean that's the, actually the big catalyst for him yeah, to re- reunite like, is that the dad's fucking his ex. He sleeps with his ex. Yeah. So never mind. I reject that statement. So yeah, it's just like yeah, and then and it starts it, with the, the Natalie and, Portman's dad dying. Like then, they're they're both very potent yeah. memories in each of the characters' and minds. Both of these films just lead to conclusions of so what next. It's like these non-committal commitments where it's just like, you know, Natalie Portman and Asha Kutcher hold hands at the wedding and they say, what next? And they hold hands and that's where it ends. Or Mila Kudis and Justin Timberlake say, what next? And he just wants his best friend back because he's in love with her. Doesn't commit to her being his girlfriend. Yeah. Doesn't commit to a relationship. Just wants his best friend back. Which is a huge douchey move from a guy who said she was too fucked up in the head to be with instead of admitting his feelings to his sister with no pressure because he thought it was just him and his sister in a room. And he decided to pull out the fact that she's too fucked up in the head when talking to what he thinks is just his sister instead of just admitting the truth. Or stumbling through it some other way. Well, that is something I, I did like about. <laughs> like, uh, this is these are these are you know broken people that come from broken relationships that are now like at the end saying, "Let's try to be broken together?" Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> like if that's how these end. I think that's I did like that about No Strings Attached better. Was that <laughs> they they were both obviously they both were dealing with their own shit. And mm-hmm. at the end, they admit that. Not so much in words, but, yeah. you know, they kind of admit that they're both messed up. Yeah. And they still admit that, you know what? Fuck it. Enough is enough. We love each other. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee. There never is. Let's just give it a shot, though. Yeah. Let's put it all out on the line and give it a shot. And I, I do love that. And... and I already mentioned in the last episode, but as cheesy as it was, I did love that scene at the outside the emergency room where, where she, she says, won't you just, you know, I love you. Won't you just say something? And he goes, if you get any closer, I'm not letting you go. You made it, made that well known last episode. But I, I like that because like they put it out all out on the line. Like they just, they admit that we're fucked up. We got issues, but we're going to try it. And we're not holding anything back. We're not pretending that this is going to be something, you know, we're not, we're not still keeping a guard up. Mm-hmm. We're not saying like, look, you know, we like each other, but you know, let's, let's stay a little bit guarded. Let's just try to, let's try to, let's go on a date. You know, they didn't do something like that. They're like, fuck it. We're messed up. Enough is enough. No more guards, no more filters. We care about each other. And I felt like that. It was where this fell a little bit short. They could have said, "You're right." Justin Timberlake could have could have easily said, "You know, like I don't know, something a little more romantic." Like, well, the truth is, I moved out here for a job, but what I didn't know is I was moving out here for you, or something. You know, something cheesy and putting it all on the line kind of gesture or like say like i moved out here for a job i'm staying here for you and say there we go there we go the job bing bang boom i've written the movie there we go (laughs) and now we like that i loved as cheesy as it was i loved the flash mob stuff (laughs) like it's so dated now but i fucking dug it it's so fucking it good. It is so dated. It is it's of so dated. It's time. But I love that it started with that and it ended with that. He knew it was important to her. He made this big grand gesture. It was exactly the rom-com kind of gesture that it needed to be. It just could have been better if he used it as a springboard to something good. It's like he. it was this beautiful springboard 
a hundred feet above the pool and he just fucking belly flopped. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you had the chance. Like you set it up for this great grand gesture. Yeah. And then you just are like, let's be friends. The fuck is <laughs> I'll that? Bring my best friend back. Yeah. Like I. Okay, that's sweet. Yeah. And by all means, keep that in. Yeah. But you know, add to it. Like, yeah. what, give me something more than that. Yeah. Like I want it. Like I just sat through an hour and a half, hour and forty of this stuff. You going back and forth, both of you dealing with your own issues. Now give me something good. Now give me like, show me you mean it. Mm-hmm. Show me you're putting it all on the line and you're you're really in it. For the long haul. Yeah. Give me something to root for. And I feel like it. there were a lot of things about this movie that I did like. But I feel like that, for me, was the biggest thing that I didn't like. Was that it, it fell short of, like, it ga- It didn't give me a reason to root for them. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm rooting against them at all. Because I actually, I love Justin Timberlake and I love, I love Mila Kunis. Like, they're both likable people. I think Justin Timberlake, of course, could be a little bit better actor, but he was, he was sufficient. And Mila Kunis is a great actor. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah. And it, it, they worked, they had good chemistry. I I liked it. Yeah. It just, by the end of it was like, I like you guys together. I want you guys to be together. But like, if I'm watching a movie, like I need this to be like an advertisement of your relationship. I need Mm -hmm. you to give me something to root for. I just feel like it fell a little short of that. I agree. But it had the bones. It had a lot to work with. Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned, there's some funny parts and there's some chemistry between Timberlake and Kunis. But just overall, there's it, it just seemed like it was a little more flash and a little less substance. Yeah. It was like, oh, look at That's these. That's a more concise way of putting it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> look at these attractive people. Be in New York uh, during the summer, and look at them—they're getting naked and having sex. Oh, and now we're gonna set it to Malibu, and look at that beautiful LA scenery. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, what about the actual like substance? Oh, we're gonna have them have a really, you know, really good heart to heart, but it's gonna be—it's got to be on the O of the Hollywood sign. Does it yeah, really, does actually, it really do you okay. need to have that heart to heart and then break it up with him being all of a sudden afraid of heights? So he has to get carried off by a helicopter. But yet when he first went up to that rooftop and when he went up to it again, he wasn't scared of heights all of a sudden. Yeah. But <coughs> I don't know. There's no, I, I, I yeah. think I agree with that because rom-coms, rom-coms are always full of cliche um, you know, big gesture moments that are unrealistic in real life. Mm-hmm. This was full of several of them that didn't really have too much of a bearing on the plot. Mm-hmm. Like they were, like you're, you're right. They were just kind of there to, to they're just to, gags to, to spice it up. Yeah. And um, I feel like No Strings Attached did like accomplish that without any sort of flashy stuff like their most one of their most flashy scenes was them fighting in the light sculpture yeah and that's not at all a flashy thing you just you literally it's a completely public open space you just go there yeah so they still accomplish the same kind of plot the same kind of chemistry the same kind of interactions but you didn't need any of the, the flashes. They went on a fucking mini golf date. Yeah. They, I agree. She made a homemade card for Valentine's Day. They were driving in a car half the time. You know, whereas this, like you said, they're on a Hollywood sign. They're in a hel- he's being hung by a helicopter. They're in Grand Central Station. Mm-hmm. Wait. Is it Grand Central? They were in Grand Central yeah. Station. Yeah. Um You know, they're in Malibu. Like all that stuff, and it's 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 harder. Like that kind of stuff is great if it's done selectively, 
But if you do it too much, it's it's hard to connect. It's hard to relate to that kind of a movie. It's not relatable. Yeah. It, it, all of a sudden, it's this this dreamy, unrealistic relationship that it's just hard to believe and it's hard to relate to. Also, when they go to Grand Central Station, Patricia Clarkson, the mob, all of a sudden has this naked, or like this dude in underwear in the oh, apartment. Oh yeah, they never even remotely they never even that. try to explain it. Other than what she's getting some she's getting some dick like what? just not explained at all <laughs> just there I I mean uh, yeah like you can infer what's happening you have an idea of what's happening but it's not explained well and that could probably be a synopsis a microcosm of friends with benefits you can infer what's happening you got a pretty good idea but it could have been explained better. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's, it lacks like the depth and like the final bit, I guess. But anyway. Was there even a kiss? Yeah. When? In the room at the family house. Oh, in bed? Yep. That's the kiss. Wait, did they have a kiss at Grand Central? They did. They kiss See, I don't he, even remember that one. They kiss at Grand Central, and then he even picks her up, but they're up. Oh, uh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. But I would say the one in the bed is better. Okay. I'd give, I'd give I'd give both a similar grade, but... <laughs> yeah. The one in the bed, it, like, it's just... It's a sim- simple story told with the kiss, but it, it always works, where it's just like, they really... They've had a great time. They've really let their guard down. They They're just in tune with each other. And then, you know, they just kind of give in to the kiss. And she's the one who has to go and commit to it because she's the one who said initially that she didn't want to have sex. He's too dumb and a dullard to realize he could separate the sex from the friendship sort of thing. Mm. So he's just kind of standing back waiting for her to make the first move before he, like, commits. And it's just like... So that hurts it a little bit. But at the same time, there's still passion within the kiss. There's obviously passion within the whole like love scene that they have afterward within that room, and like that's all well and good. So I give it a B minus myself. Okay. You know, but that's the kiss right there. I would give both a C plus. Yeah, that's fair. Both decent, but you know nothing spectacular. Yeah, and then the only what happens after ever after that I have is in the midst of I don't know if they last myself but like as far as uh Dylan and Jamie no I don't know because he won't commit to her at the end yeah it's still bothers that's me. tough that's it a tough look me. that's a real tough look but I mean you you know me if I if I find someone I I like I go full throttle <laughs> so like every time I see that I'm like come on man Man but up. Commit. I do think Annie, the sister, comes to New York to visit at some point and randomly runs into a certain extreme sports athlete who also has some Olympic oh! medals. And she runs into a little Sean White flying tomato. I do like that. And she and Sean White hit it off because they both could beat up Dylan. Oh, God. And then they team up on him? Yeah. Oh, poor Dylan. And then Dylan has to go to their wedding, and he's being threatened by... And, then, and Sean White's just threatening him the entire time. He's somehow a groomsman. Like, or a groomsman for Annie. Like, one of those. Like, yep. But Sean White, the whole time, like, thinks that he's going to, like, say something when, like, the if anyone has anything to say, or if anyone wants to, like, interrupt these nuptials. So, like, the whole lead-up, he's just like... If you say anything, I will fucking murder you in front of everyone. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just say shit. And then when it comes to that part, <laughs> Dylan's just standing there not saying anything. And Sean White's just looking at him just like, motherfucker, I will kill you. <laughs> so that's the happily, <laughs> that's the after ever after. <sighs> Andy and Sean White get together. Um, <laughs> I like it, I like it. <laughs> but anyway, what's your verdict, Max, on this film? Well... Before we get into the verdict, even I, I do want to I do want to sum up everything with mm-hmm. uh, one last 
one last thought. Uh, another comparison between both movies. Of now course. that we've 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 done both, um, I do like how both movies, out of all the thematic elements that we talked about, all the different things, all the different lessons that could be learned from these, mm-hmm. um, you know, sex and intimacy and parental Parents. issues. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> parents fucking parents (laughs) Um, and uh yeah out of all that stuff i i love that both deal with um both deal with commitment yeah but on a i mean every rom-com you could argue obviously deals with commitment but i like that i like the way that both movies deal with commitment that they they kind of they frame it a little bit more fluid than you know just like oh I like someone and I'm gonna like you you know you kind of grow up thinking like once you like someone you know they like you back you'll you'll get married and you'll live happily ever after they both of these movies kind of frame it in a little bit more fluid way and i like that i don't really know how else to describe it but i get what you're saying but i disagree with you to a point and here's why in friends with benefits woody harrelson literally goes into the office and says i'm just about simple things and one of the things he says and if you like someone him or her then you just fucking stick with that person until you know until the end sort of thing like he says something to the that effect that kind of is what inspires Dylan to, you know, that part of the inspiration. Well, you don't like, you don't agree with that, or you do agree with that? What like, you... he doesn't commit to her, but I feel like it's at least said in Friends with Benefits, where they're just like, with commitment, it's like, if you like someone, fucking just like that person. I feel like they try to say that within these films, but then these people are just still... After the fact, even though they've basically said to do that, still kind of don't. Well, that's where it goes back to the the contrasting endings that I found between the two, where it was like, no strings attached. I felt like they did come out and admit that they care about each other and that they're throwing caution to the wind and they're going to make it. They're finally getting they're They're not they're not fixing all their issues overnight. But yeah. they're finally putting all their feelings out on the table and saying, you know what, let's let's take a chance. Yeah, let's actually be in a relationship. Here. Yeah. So. And yeah. whereas this one obviously could have could have benefited from more of that direction. Yeah. But at least I like that both movies kind of tackled that. That life is never going to be that simple. It's never black and white. There's always going to be a shit ton of issues, a shit ton of complications. But at the end of the day, as long as you just acknowledge how you feel and acknowledge what you want, that's already a step in the right direction. That's all. Love is already complicated enough. Don't overcomplicate it more than it needs to be. <laughs> well, what's your verdict? So, um, I'd fuck it. I think it's a solid fuck. I think it's... It's a it's decent. It's a good movie. It's not it's not anything horrible. Um, you know, I I like the cast. It's uh, they could have done better, but they could have done a lot worse. Like it it's not bad. Yeah. Um, they have good chemistry. They have believable chemistry. Stri- script could have been better, like you said. Um, you know, the the flashiness I could have done without and it could have been a little bit more effort put into the actual relationship development but overall it was good and i think it's worth watching once there's a lot of plenty of funny parts good chemistry good relationship building just kind of a lackluster finale yeah for me it's yeah it's uh it's a fuck for me as well and a lot of the same lines of Valentine's Day, where it's just like, there's a lot of reasons to just ignore the film. And just, if you didn't watch it, you wouldn't be missing anything. 
But at the same time, there are other parts of this film that I laughed at. Absolutely. There are actors in here that put on good performances. And, you know, there's a definite chemistry between Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis Mm -hmm. through a lot of the film. And it's just like, you know, those bits alone are worth, you know, watching it once on a fucking Sunday when you have nothing else to do and you see it randomly on the streaming They did really have a good chemistry. I did like their chemistry. Yeah. But... You'll notice we both said fuck on this one. We both said Mary on No Strings Attached. That's true. So that kind of gives you an idea of what we think is better between the two films. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, No Strings Attached was a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. What was this one? This one, and let me make sure I have it correct, it was a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Yes. Multiple critics gave it three stars, including Roger Ebert. Why? Uh, I need reasoning. Yes. Oh, I was reading some of the critic things when we were getting the uh, when we were getting our last drinks here. Um, Roger Ebert said, "What not every rom com has, however, is good dialogue, well delivered at a fast clip." Kunis fast talks her way through the opening scenes as if she's channeling Juno, which is not that great of a film. It's not. And Timberlake easily keeps up. At some fundamental level, I simply enjoyed watching them. That's uh, hardly a reason to give it that high of a score. Well, yeah. Uh, like I, I mean, he gave it three out of four. I enjoyed Wedding Crashers for the same reason. <laughs> I enjoyed Tropic Thunder for the same reason. Oh. I can still acknowledge that neither of them are fantastic Library of Congress movies. Well, 68% of Rotten Tomatoes is not a Library of Congress movie, bud. Well, it's better than uh, most Peter DeBruge of Variety found the plot to be predictable and benign. However, he complimented the cast, calling Kunis a natural with comedy, while Timberlake exudes the kind of star wattage that put Will Smith on top. I, I mean, I agree. I, I, like, I like the cast. The cast was great. I know you didn't really like Justin Timberlake that much. Yeah. I like Justin Timberlake just fine. I'm p- more partial to Ashton Kutcher, I think, just because I've seen him in so many more rom-coms, so I associate him with that. But I I liked both of them. I think they had great chemistry, and I think they were both a great casting choice. Just there were so many other factors that fell short out of their control. Yeah. The script was one. Yeah. The finale was another. Mary Poles of Time applauded the film and wrote that despite the plot being predictable, the film was elevated by energetic dialogue, the sexual chemistry between the leads, and the fact that the miscommunication that keeps Bliss at bay is plausible. Well, yeah. I disagree with that. Uh, I I agree with the miscommunication part. I mean, it was elongated to an annoying degree. At some point in time, like the miscommunication is just... From a movie perspective, they could have cut it down. Yeah. At, at the top of the rooftop is where it gets nipped in the bud. It was certainly plausible. Like, that happens in real life. I just don't need to see it all in an hour and 40-minute movie. But I will say this about the dialogue. When they first decide they're going to have sex with each other, when they're telling each other what they, liked about, what they like about each other... It's actually realistic. And the single lines, and how quickly they say it, mm-hmm. and then the eyes, and he says eyes again, and like... That was steamy. Like, them, like, just telling each other what they like about each other. And right before they go to and have sex for the first time. And, like, even having sex for the first time. That whole scene was, like, plausible and well done. It's just the continuation of the sex scenes. Which, much like with No Strings Attached. I don't think I like the sex scenes on either film that much. It's like... Yeah. The first sex scenes were good and made sense. The rest of the sex scenes were just like, uh, okay, cool. Like, attractive people acting like they're having sex. I get it. Were there other sex scenes in No Strings Attached besides the first, like, initial one? Yes. There were? Wow, I blocked them out. Yeah, like, the whole montage of them, like, banging. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, but it was just that montage, right? Like, it wasn't, yeah, like, a bunch what after but That's that. what I'm saying. The montage was a long montage. Yeah. 
I think that was better. That was that was more well done. And then there's also the sex scene where after she kicks out the pumpkins, oh, yeah. then they have the sex scene. Yeah, but it's just them pulling back the sheet and them kind of being cute together. Still, like they're still. not actually having sex. Eh. So that I I didn't mind, but um, yeah, but anyway. the, the constant sex scenes get a little old. Yeah. Anyway, we've done it. We've gotten through this two-parter. We have done it. Somehow. Some way. <laughs> we are punchy as fuck right now. We are. And and if, if our ratings seemed harsh on the second movie, it may also be because we're tired. It's not. It's because the quality isn't as good. <laughs> We're like this isn't this isn't a clouded judgment thing. This isn't if I had too much to drink. This isn't I'm tired. Those are legit rankings. And if I watch these sober during the day, I would have the same fucking rankings. Yeah, I I am yeah. 100 buying that. So, but you can find our socials are on Instagram. We are bromancing the stone podcast on Instagram. On Twitter, we are bro the stone pod. On Twitter, you can find me at Supermarket Sweep, and that's without the E in super. So that's S-U-P-R, Market Sweep. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Relusa88, and that's R-E-L-U-S-A-8-8. Then Max, you can find you on Instagram. It's uh, the Lionhearted at T-H-E period L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. All right. And then next week, as we mentioned earlier in a previous podcast... It's going to be coming out March 23rd, and that's going to be a few days before opening day. Opening day. A national holiday. Which is essentially Christmas of spring. Yes. So, because baseball is starting up, we're going to be watching the baseball rom-com classic, Bull Durham. Which we, I have never seen. I don't we, understand how. Which I don't understand either. You're probably because Kevin Costner is in it, and he's a piece of shit actor and a piece of shit ball player. He does not know how to play baseball. I'm sorry. He ruined Field of Dreams. He ruined it. So we're going to watch Bull Durham and see what your <laughs> thoughts are of him. <laughs> so maybe that's why I haven't seen Bull Durham, but yeah. I'm interested to see what you think then after Bull Durham. So. All right. Uh, this will be real interesting. So, uh, yes. And so, uh, yeah, we love y'all. We thank y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Love you guys. Have a good night. We're fucking losing it. <laughs> I told people it was gonna be punchy on the last episode. Oh They're gonna know, and it's good to have a shit show episode. It's, it makes it more fun. Oh Jesus! I know. I <laughs>